Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, church. Good to see everybody. My name's Tim. If uh, this is your first time with us, uh, welcome. And this is, like uh, someone said, tailgate Sunday when our small groups launch and so this is my team, Vineyard Global. That's the Vineyard family. That's my team. And since I haven't had a football team I like since the 70s, that's how old I am, since the Redskins have not been that great since then. Uh, good to see everyone. And uh, we are finishing up our series in the Holy Spirit. We have uh, called it, as you can see from the trailer, God Inside Out. Uh, we could spend, gosh, we could spend a few years on this if we wanted to. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the least probably talked about member of the Trinity. And um, I don't think we, when we read the scriptures sometimes, we think those guys back then, those folks back then got it. For us, it's very difficult to get it. And we think, if I had lived when Peter and James and John and Phoebe and Lydia and all of those folks, if I had been there, I would understand this. But what you probably got to give some thought to, and I have to remind myself every time I study, is that remember the narrative, remember the story of the disciples. They really did not get it. As a matter of fact, they didn't get it for a very long time. I mean, even though they walked with Jesus for three years, two and a half, three, three and a half years, they didn't really get it. They didn't even get it after the resurrection. Now, you and I would go, I'd get it, you know, if I saw somebody who was raised from the dead. But this part of it, the whole aspect of what the Holy Spirit would do in the lives of the church, they didn't get it. The only thing that they had heard, let's put it in context, the only thing they had heard was probably rumors from long ago. At this point in the scripture, what we're talking about today in the book of Acts, it had been 400 years of silence from God. Not one prophetic word, not anything. There were no prophets. There was nothing being said. I mean, we think we go a long time without hearing anything. Do you think you'd forget about it in 400 years, maybe? The last words they had about what we're talking about in the Holy Spirit, 750 years, that's about the earliest, from Isaiah. When he said, one day I'm going to pour out water on the land. It's going to refresh everyone, and your sons and your daughters are going to be refreshed by this. And then 830 years even further, the book of Joel, Joel the prophet prophesied that your sons and daughters would prophesy and that the Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. And that's what Peter, that's what he recites. So he did finally get it, but he didn't get it until Pentecost. So it's okay for us to struggle. We're on the other side of this. You get this? We're on the other side of this. So we look back into history and we go, okay, but the guys and the gals that, that we read about in here, we have to struggle right along with them sometimes. And it's okay if you're there too because they were. The disciples didn't get it. Right up till the Holy Spirit came and fell on them, they still expected, even, even when Jesus ascended back to his father, they still expected him to rule and to reign. They expected him to establish a kingdom, 
to kick the Romans out and to set up his own government on earth. Is this the time? Remember right before he went back when he said, go to your rooms, don't come out until the Holy Spirit comes? They asked him, the last thing they asked him was, is it at this time you're setting up your kingdom? Please tell us you're still going to do it. You know, you rose from the dead. I mean, all of this, aren't you still going to set up your kingdom literally on the earth? Aren't you going to do it? And Jesus says, hey, it's none of your business when that's going to happen. It's none of your business. I want you to go to your rooms and don't come out until the Holy Spirit comes. And so they did just that. They went to their rooms. They put things in order and they began to pray. And so remember that. When we struggled through trying to understand this, it wasn't easy for these guys. Even with everything they saw, everything they experienced, they too had to traverse and travel this road until something monumental happened. Something incredible happened in their lives. I mean, we're the recipients of it. Here 2,000 or more years later, right now, we're still reaping the rewards from what they went through. Something happened. Something big, something huge happened. And it's still changing the world. But they didn't get it either. It was tough for them. So we're going to be uh, reading a little bit about what they went through and also as it pertains to the church. Um, we're going to be over in Acts 9.31. It's just one verse. I'm going to read it together. I'm going to pray and, uh, and then we'll, we'll get into this. Father, thank you, for, thank you for our opportunity to gather this morning. Uh, Holy Spirit, you are, are welcome here. We thank you that you love us enough to come and live within us, literally inhabit this body redeeming us and making it your temple. Instead of some big edifice, some large brick and mortar edifice somewhere, you come to live within the Father's creation, this body and this humanity. Like you did Jesus, you come and you live within us. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit. We ask for you to come this morning. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's read this verse. Here we go. You ready? Let's put it up on the screen. Here we go. Together. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Man, what a place to be, huh? So exciting. So exciting. In your handout, you have a fill-in, uh, six fill-ins this morning. And the first three are three different seasons that the folks in the Bible went through. And maybe we go through them as well at times And so, when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So uh, I just thought we, I would take us back through this, like I was talking about the disciples, the things that they had to think about, the things that they walked through as the church was being birthed. By the Holy Spirit. And this is for, uh, first feeling is this. There is a season of promise. There is a season of promise. As I said earlier. 740 years earlier. Isaiah said. I will pour water on the thirsty land. And streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. And my blessing on your descendants. And then 835 years earlier, Joel had said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Long time ago before, 
before the disciples actually experienced this. A long time. They probably didn't have the scripture. They didn't have it to look at. They had heard the rabbis maybe talk about it. But again, 400 years of silence. So all of this is a time of promise. When's it going to happen? We get, you know, we get anxiety-ridden when we're in Walmart, you know, trying to get out, standing in a line, you know. But here, these guys are waiting like 400 years to hear God's voice. I mean, imagine the stories. They're sitting, when's the last time God spoke? Well, we heard it was, you know, way back, 400 years ago. What did he say last time he spoke? You guys know what a rest is in music? You know what it is? You got to throw it up, Scott, on the screen. This is a... Do you have it back there? Yeah, that is called a rest. When you're playing music, you get less of four, that's four beats of rest. So you're playing along in the music, and then you see one of those for your part, you stop. You stop dead in your tracks. You don't play into that measure, period. Right? Here you one, two, three, four, stop. One, two, three. Done, I need to go back again. This was the longest rest in history. <laughs> 400 years the orchestra quit playing. And you're talking about building up an anticipation in creation? God had spoken through the prophets. The Holy Spirit had fallen on single people, but never really like large groups and such. And certainly not on boys and girls and men and women and slaves and this. And like God had just said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on everybody because I love everybody and I created everybody. No, it wasn't like that all those years before. It was on the special people and the leaders. Whatever God was doing, he would drop the Holy Spirit on that person at that time for that mission. But all those years earlier, God said, a day is coming when I'm going to pour my spirit out. It's going to be like, you thought you heard a symphony before? Well, when the rest is over, you're going to hear the whole part, the whole sheet music of what I have for my creation. And so they've been sitting in this rest spot holding, you know, thinking about when's the music going to begin for 400 years. Just building an anticipation. Of course, the the Israelites, the Jewish people, you know, they they weren't like us today. Like I said, they understood that God would go silent for a while and that, that he was building up some type of expectation and it was coming. But this long, nobody had ever seen anything like this. So whatever was going to happen was either God was not going to speak anymore and he was done, or what was coming was absolutely phenomenal and worth the wait. And so they're in a rest period, you know. And I want to say this too, that the Holy Spirit, as mysterious as he is and trying to understand him, it's not all mystery. There's history here too because, I mean, this about Joel, Isaiah, uh, all the archaeological studies, and not just scripture, but to back up when these folks lived, what it was like when they lived. It's, it's pretty doggone nailed down, you know. So there's history and not just mystery. Yeah, there's plenty of mystery in this. But there's enough history for you to plant your feet down and say, let me embrace the mystery. Let me see if I can fig- you know, get this what God's after. Because look how long he's been resting. What is going to happen here? And Jesus told his disciples in John 14 through 16, and we looked at this when we first launched the, the series. He said, I've got to go, right? i got to go so the Holy Spirit can come. Now, don't forget that. That's how important it was for the Holy Spirit to come. I've got to go, and then when I go, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he is gonna, he's going to be with you, Jesus said, and he is going to be in you. This is going to be the temple of God. I'm going to reside in you. I'm going to live in you. Now, again, I don't think the disciples went, 
hot dog, that's great. I think they went, huh? You know, like, <laughs> I do. I think they, they just did a Scooby-Doo moment or something. Yeah, it's like, huh? I don't know. Okay, Jesus, he's always saying some strange things, uh, you know, and then maybe they talk and go, 400 years ago, there was some talk about this. You know, 800 years ago, the prophet Joel said, I don't know. I think they're, they're just wrestling like a lot of us do right through every bit of this. But that was a time of preparation when God was promising through Jesus to bring his own presence to everyone. Uh, we know, like I said, something dramatic changed in these guys. They, they went from being one way to another way almost overnight. It was really, really something once the music began to play. So there was a season of promise. And secondly, there's a season of preparation that we can see in this group and see in history. Uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples in John 20. And this is, now get this, this is after the resurrection, right? After the resurrection. He says, peace be with you. And he says this, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, how did the Father send Jesus? How did he do what he did? Say that again. Through the Holy Spirit. We think a lot of times, yes, he was the Son of God, but to put it in some kind of a way to at least understand it is that he was fully the Son of God, but he was fully human as well. He laid aside, he was still the Son of God. He didn't operate as the Son of God. He operated as a man full of the Holy Spirit. Everything he did while he was on the earth was because of the Holy Spirit operating through him. So he says, my father sent me to earth operating in the Holy Spirit. Right? So I'm about to send you out to do it the same way. The same way. And I think they're still going, what? Even even after the resurrection. And then he goes, and with that, he breathed on them. Now, because the word breath is, is one of the words for the Holy Spirit. One of the direct, you know, uh, definitions. This is like a metaphor now. Jesus says, here he comes. There's a breeze coming to your life. Something's going to change. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Here it is. Preparation. Getting ready. You know, the music. Maybe now, you know, the, the musicians are getting, they're counting off. You know, all of heaven's counting, waiting for the music to come in because we're getting so close. Clark Pinnock says, to the church, Jesus is much more than a historical memory. He is present in the midst of the community as the life-giving spirit. There is no church without the Holy Spirit. We, would, we cease to exist without him. We, we have nothing. And I want to say this about definitions of being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in, with, of, all of these. Look, I, here's, here's where I come down and most of the vineyard comes down is we are baptized in the Holy Spirit when we are baptized into the body of Christ. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Every person that's a Christian, the Holy Spirit is living within you. But there are subsequent fillings of the Holy Spirit. And I've said it in this silly way, but I, I say we, you know, we're cracked vessels. We leak. You know, we are not always full of the Holy Spirit. We aren't. If you are a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within you. He is there with you. He has been there from the moment that you said yes to Jesus. He is there. He has taken up residence. He lives within you. And, uh, 
But there are times when, and we see this in the book of Acts, where Peter was once again filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, different people filled over and over. Subsequent fillings. And I can tell you after all these years, I am not filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. I'm not. I mean, I dare say most of the time I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. But I want to be. I want to be. I want the fullness of God in my life. I want to feel His presence. I want to know He's there. I want to depend on His strength and not on my own all the time. I want that. And the question is, do we want it as a church? Is that what we want? Do we want that individually? And do we want that corporately? This is a time of preparation for the disciples. And we too may be going through a time of preparation. Um. There was a guy named D.L. Moody. If you read church history, you'll probably know him. D.L. Moody, he lived during the period of uh, the Civil War as well, and he ministered to Northerners and Southerners. He took care of orphans. He lived through the Chicago Fire, losing everything and ministering to uh, all types of people. He had such a heart for the poor. He really wanted to help the poor. And He had finished preaching one day and two elderly women walked up to him and said this to him. You're good, but you haven't got it. (laughs) We have been praying for you. You need power. And Moody Moody thought and said, I thought I had power. (laughs) The ladies prayed for the Holy Spirit to fill Moody and soon D.L.'s Hunger grew in his soul. And this is what he said about that time. The time of preparation. I felt I did not want to live any longer. If I had not this power for service. For six months. He just. He said I'm not one to beg God. But for those six months I begged God. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your grace. He's already a preacher. He's already ministering. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. And his desire was that God would bless others through him. That was his desire. He said, I want the power of the Spirit in my life so others can be blessed. And if, if I can't do it to my full, you know, the full potential that God has for me, without, I want everything God has for me. And this is, this is what happened on that day. i got to read this to you. He was walking down Wall Street, actually, in New York City, praying. And this is what happened. My heart was not in the work of begging, says he. I could not appeal. I was crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. Well, one day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. Paul had an experience of which he never spoke for 14 years. I can only say that God revealed himself to me. And I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. Ever had so much of God you had to say, enough, Lord. Enough. Ease your hand, Lord. Ease your hand. There's so much love. There's so much of you filling my life. Just ease it. Ease it up. I can't live if you give me any more. I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths. And yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience. If you should give me all the world. It would be as the small dust of the balance. It was said that during this, the 1800s. 
He preached to over 100 million people face to face. No PAs, stuff like that. 100 million here and in England, both. I could sit up here and tell you story after story. Some of you have your stories of something very similar. And just like the disciples, many of us are turning our head and going, What? Um, What is this you're talking about, Jesus? What are you talking about? So there is a season of preparation. And then there is a season of participation. That's your third one. A season of participation where the rest is over. (laughs) Where the conductor taps on the music stand. And I know many of Many of you have never been in an orchestra, and I have had the great joy of playing in an orchestra. And I'm telling you, when that conductor stands up there with his tails on that crisp white top, and he turns and smiles, looks at it, and he turns around and tap, tap, tap. Everybody comes to attention, and he does this, and all the instruments go up into the place. Every muscle is waiting for the first note to hit where you can just strike it and go. And that is the participant time. That is when we participate, when all of heaven is now poured out in a symphony to creation. Peter, I mean, Peter like was the guy that, he was always sticking his foot in his mouth, wasn't he? He was an all-or-nothing guy, he was impetuous, passionate. I mean, he would blurt out things that were dumb at the moment. I mean, remember the washing of the feet, the Passover meal, Jesus they come in. I mean, these, those guys fix the room for the Passover. And Jesus comes in and he waits and he waits. They have their meal. Nobody has gotten up to do something that was needed earlier on. And Jesus finally gets up after the meal, takes a towel, wraps it around him and goes and does what? Washes their feet. Well, that should have been done at the first. Somebody should have got up and done that when they first, you know, had done that when they first came in the room. Not later, but Jesus waits. You know, I wonder if Peter's going to get this. No, nobody gets it. Jesus gets up, he goes and he starts to wash Peter's feet. And Peter says what? No, you're not going to wash my feet, Jesus. No way. And, he, and Jesus says, I'm, I've got to wash your feet. This is for an example, Peter. I've got I've to wash your feet. And what does he say? Okay, wash my whole body. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just dumb. I mean, that's, he doesn't get it, you see? The Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah and Jesus, Right? I mean, Peter, James, and John are there, and, and there's Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah, and they're on the hilltop, and Peter's standing around, you know, looking at James and John, and wow, this is pretty cool, you know, and then uh, Jesus comes back, and, and nobody's saying anything. It's such an awesome moment. There are times you don't need to talk, right? And uh, Peter looks at Jesus and goes, hey, if you want me to, I'll build three houses for you guys, and uh, we'll live right here for a while. One for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses, <laughs> And immediately, God the Father speaks. And he says, this is my son, and we've heard it before, in whom I am well pleased. Right? We heard it at his baptism. And then he says, he tags it, though, with something else. He says, listen to him. (laughs) That's great. I don't know why I see the humor in these passages, but it's like Peter says something dumb, and God says, listen, man, you know. This is my son, who am I well pleased. He doesn't need these houses. Uh, listen to him. You know, listen to what he's about to say. This same Peter is the one that's about to be so impacted and filled with the Holy Spirit that he preaches the, one of the most beautiful sermons with a history of how God 
had tried to reach Israel through their whole entire existence and brought it right down until there were people that weren't even Jews in the area could listen to it, understand it, and came to know Jesus right in that moment. Now, how does that happen? How does that happen? How does a guy like Peter go to, to being the evangelist like this? I mean, it, it boggles the mind. I mean, something tremendous happened. There's a time for participation. There's a time when the promise and the preparations is over. So how do we respond? Your first one is this. And this is the first step for all of us. And that is accept. 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 What does Romans 10.8 say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It's like this. God has put in your mouth, if you have not done this yet, God has put in your heart and in your mouth the name of Jesus right there. You are that close to accepting Jesus that close that distance from your heart to your mouth that makes all the difference in the world all the difference it makes the difference in eternity right here when you believe and you speak you've accepted you begin your journey and so Paul says that's the way to start that's the way we accept that's what we kick off with is we accept Jesus, we accept the giver of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we're told to be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. I don't know if Paul would... I think he was. I don't know if he had this in mind, but, uh, you know, when you with your buddies and you had a few drinks and you're really happy and you start singing songs together. You know, it's like he says, okay, if you take that too far, that's a waste. That's one version says dissipation. It's like pouring water out on the ground. It's just not going to bring a return. It's just not going to do anything for you. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then that is going to bring a return in your life. And so I think he, he sees the church almost like this antithesis of a barroom happy time, happy hour. You know, it's like this should be the happiest place in the world because we belly up to the bar. You know, we get full of the presence of God. And we sing songs together. Now, see, I get it why some of you don't like to sing songs. Once we get filled with the Holy Spirit, once we get filled and we acknowledge that God is here, we don't really care what kind of music is played. All we care about is God, you know. Whatever it is. But without the Spirit of God, we either become entertainment-driven or we just fall into traditional, being a traditional bore with our songs. They don't mean anything to us. We wait to get titillated. We wait to get excited about something. When, when it's the Holy Spirit within us, it's God we are excited about. That's who we sing the songs to and we look at each other. And he even says we sing them to one another. Wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> You turned around and looked at each other. Oh, you know, you know. It's like, uh, it's like, but that when the presence of God comes to the church, 
It's like that deal with your buddies. Remember, you used to, I never got that. I mean, I used to, I used to have friends. I still got friends like that. You, you get a couple of drinks, you get your arms around each other, you're ready to take on the world. You're like, come on, let's go. Let's do it. You love each other. You're willing to go to defend one another, do whatever you need to do for one another. And Paul says the church is like that. It's the Holy Spirit that fills us, brings us alongside one another. And when we look at one another, we see one another as our teammates. And we go, yes, let's worship together. Let's worship the God that's called us. That's the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's what he'll do in our lives if we let him. We let him. Even on the day of Pentecost, you know, they thought they were drunk, right? You know that. You read that. Did you read it? Acts 2. You read that. Did you read every bit of it? Because it was true. They said, these, it's not even 9 o'clock and these guys are drunk. And, and Peter went, it's only 9. We're not drunk yet. That would be 12 or 1, you know. <laughs> not 9. And, uh, and he says, no, it's the Holy Spirit that is causing us to break out into the streets and to sing and to tell the story of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. A.W. Tozer, a wonderful pastor, writer, theologian, says, If the Lord's people were only half as eager to be filled with the Spirit as they are to prove that you can't be filled with the Spirit, the church would be crowded out. (laughs) And that's true. That is so true. I love what our national director, Phil Strout, says. He says, there may be some groups that can get by with, without the Holy Spirit, but the vineyard's not one of them. <laughs> We're just not that slick and not that organized. <laughs> you know? We need the Holy Spirit. We must have the Holy Spirit in a greater measure. The last one is this, B, just B-E. In Acts 1-8, it says, but you will receive the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you receive power and you will be my witness. You will never be what you should be without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You will never be what Jesus intends for you to be without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You won't. I won't. None of us will. We won't. Now, there are 500 million Pentecostal charismatic Christians worldwide. 500 million. This is not some subgroup of the church. This is the major driving force in the world of Christianity. And that is a calling on the Holy Spirit to come and make himself known in the church. We will never be what we should be and can be if we don't and if we are not filled with the Holy Spirit. The question is this, you know. We as a church want to welcome the Holy Spirit in a more intentional way. Yeah, we say to Jesus, give us the full measure of your spirit, of the promise, a fresh feeling for us, each of us. And we say to the Father, thank you for the gift, Father. Thank you. Open me up to more of him, to more of your presence. I know I belong to you, but open me up. Fill me full of your presence. I want to know you in a deeper way. I'm hungry for you, God. And can we say as a church, as the vineyard here in Myrtle Beach, can we say we want more of the Holy Spirit? 
We want more of him in our lives. We want more of him in this church on Sundays. We want more of him in our ministry because our love for our community will not grow to the depth that it needs to be unless we have a filling of the Holy Spirit. You think you love this community now? You wait till you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You will love this community. You will love the people of this community. And you will love those who are hurting so much it will hurt you. And you will cry out to God and you will feel their pain because the Holy Spirit loves people. He loved you that much to call you himself to Jesus we have to answer that question do we pray come Holy Spirit let's pray we hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach South Carolina we look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website www.seacoastvineyard.com